Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337 706-0111. 706-0111. We'll be talking LSU, specifically LSU basketball with Koki Riley in the next segment. Uh, we're talking Cajun women's basketball with Coach Broadhead at the end of the of the 10 o'clock hour. But other than that, we'll have open phone lines. If you would like to discuss, we, we talked quite a bit about the NFL and the Saints yesterday. We did talk a little bit. It turned out to be a pretty fitting day to do it, actually. I didn't know it at the time. But yesterday afternoon, the Carlos Correa saga ended, or, or so we think. I mean... We thought it was over with the Giants, and it wasn't. And we thought that, well, surely the Mets, with their open pocket and seemingly responsible, you know, just spending money carelessly, surely the Mets won't let him leave. Well, he left the Mets. That didn't happen, and now he's back to the Twins. And, um, you know, there were some people who were pretty critical of Carlos Correa after the Giants deal. And then when it didn't happen with the Mets of all teams, that goes to show it, it, it wasn't about Carlos Correa. It wasn't about the Giants. It, it's just something that's hanging up these. And apparently, again, most of us are not doctors. Most of us don't really get it. But apparently whatever is showing up from that injury that he had, um, broke his leg or his ankle or some lower part of the leg. Um, again, not his rookie year, but his very the very first summer that he was drafted. His first, he was probably, what, 19 years old at the time? And, and right after he the Astros drafted him number one overall, that first summer of minor league ball, he, he got, I think he was sliding to second base, broke his leg or his ankle or some somewhere in that vicinity. And... Um, and apparently there's something that's coming up that after about six years, it's going to be a problem. I don't know. I, again, it's beyond me how they come up with that. I have no idea. Um, but so I don't, it's not just a coincidence that the twins, uh, at least again, I was kind of, disputing the old agree to terms. I guess you could say they agreed to terms, but they really didn't unless the uh, the medicals come in. But I think medicals approving for six years is a very different thing than medicals approving for 11, 12, or 13 years. And so I think most people think this is a done deal with the Carlos Correa thing. And, you know, he's back in the American League as opposed to being in the National League with the Giants or the Mets, but I'm good with it. I um, 
I feel I, I'm glad for a fan base and an organization like the Twins that can keep a guy who was asking for mega, mega money because, um, you know, last year they weren't good, but the two year, couple years before that, they were pretty good. Uh, you know, we'll see how their pitching goes. They traded away a closer for a starter, and he got hurt. And so they obviously had pitching issues last year, but even their hitting was not as good as it normally is. I don't know what happened to the Twins last year. It was, to me, they had a weird they had a weird season. But they've got good some good young players, so we'll see how all that plays out. But um, that part is over. Uh, I don't. Uh, we might get into some of it today, and and some of that depends on. If y'all would like to, you know, certainly by tomorrow we'll start looking at the actual wild card round playoff matchups. I um, I ended yesterday's show by saying, man, I, I've there's just a I've heard a lot locally and listening to national shows, heard a lot of difference of opinion on the Yucks Cowboys game. And you know, there's some people that say like, there's just no they just there's just no way the Yucks can beat the Cowboys. And then a lot of people are predicting the Yucks to beat the Cowboys. So pretty big difference. Both of those teams of I don't know. I I I would be picking them to lose to most other teams they would play. Um but against each other, theoretically, it's the playoffs. Somebody's got to win. They're not going to let them tie. So I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. I think turnovers are always crucial. I think they'll be crucial in here in that. I think if the Cowboys play really well, they could afford to be minus one or minus two and maybe win. But, man, their minuses tend to be bad minuses. They just, they know how to do it. When they mess up, they mess up good, the Cowboys. They're, 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 they're a weird, weird, weird team. And uh, I think there are Cowboy fans all over the place that just still don't trust Dak. So anyway, any thoughts you might have on that matchup or any other one, certainly feel free. And we'll be talking more about that on Thursday or Friday, obviously, but certainly feel free to discuss that today as well. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. I um, heard, I don't often do that for different reasons, but I, I heard Raymond talking to Andrew and I think he illustrated <laughs> the last hour, I think he illustrated the frustration of that game better than anybody that I've heard. I mean, it was just, it's like, it was a it almost couldn't happen, and yet it happened. Of course, we've seen that forever. I mean, if you, it hasn't happened that much. I mean, it happens some. It happens to every team sometimes. But it seemed, it, it doesn't, it didn't happen an awful lot in the Casper Breeze era because he was always pretty aggressive. Not always, but usually pretty aggressive. And they were so good offensively most of those years that rarely did they 
Now, did it happen some? Yeah, it happened some. There were some teams that just totally shut them down, and, and they lost some low-scoring games. And they had their, you know, we go through the years. It happened probably more than most of us would think. See, I can remember a couple of those games against a stupid, Raymond stupid team. Um where you, you, you kind of dominate the game and lose. Happened to the Bears a couple times. It happened to the Vikings a couple times, certainly. And so, you know, it certainly happened, but, you know, not as much as, like, uh, in the Jim Mora era, it seemed like it happened quite. You know, they didn't lose all that many games, especially the first, you know, five or six years of the Jim Mora era. But when they did lose him, it was kind of in that fashion. You know, kind of like the, um, in 1991, the Saints started out 7-0. and They were dominating the Bears, but they didn't put them away. And they, you know, they hit one pass, played a waddle, and boom, they win the game. You know, season opener, 1990, this is just off the top of my head, 1990 completely dominated the cheaters. I mean, physically dominated the cheaters. Just physically beat up Roger Craig. But Johnny B. Bad was the quarterback, didn't put him away. Cheaters get one drive at the end of the game. They went 13-12. to 12. I mean, you know, again, we, 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 we played that game before. So while Sunday was awful, it's, you know, we've seen this this movie before. So, but it was just, it's going to be a, I know it's the off season and I know we shouldn't worry about it, but that, that, that was, that is, that was, it's going to make the off season so bad, so, so bad, but it is what it is. We got to, got to try to get over it for sure. Anyway, got to try to, it's going to be difficult. The, um, uh, so I, the other thing in baseball, and again, I don't want to talk too much baseball here, although the Korea news was big news, is 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 the Red Sox, Martin's Red Sox. Um, Trevor's story, I thought, was kind of their ace in the hole, and now he's hurt, so I don't know what they're going to do. Just, I mean, it's kind of weird. All of a sudden, he's hurt. I, 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 didn't, I didn't quite get that. And they're, they're saying he's out four to five months, but... So how often do you hear that and then, you know, four to five becomes six or seven? I mean, that happened, you know. I don't know. That just does not sound good. He's had a strange, since he's been there, he's been awful at times. He's been in just incredibly hot at other times. And now, you know, you think that he's kind of in the background. And then when you think maybe he's going to play a major role in the team, now he's hurt. I mean, it's. You know, if you're a Yankee fan, you're not you're certainly not shedding any tears for the Red Sox, and I get that, but that was that was all news that came up yesterday in the baseball in addition to the Carlos Correa going to the twins thing that was kind of a little eye opening. A little like, uh oh. Of course, like um Rudy Macklin said one time, he ain't no kin of mine. So uh, you know, I, I and it's not my team, so it's not like I'm overly upset about it, but it was a little shocking there. Um, all right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears, talk LSU basketball with Cokie Riley. We'll do that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about the McNeese Coaches Show. It is tonight from 6 to 7, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center, our friend Jim Gazzolo, who love this is the guy who breaks news, Jim Gazzolo, and uh, who knows what news will break tonight. But mostly what they'll be talking about is the Cowboys off to a good start in conference play at 2-1 and one in a five-way tie for second place. So lots to discuss there. Uh, things are looking up after a slow start, after a brutal early season schedule. And it will start at 6 o'clock tonight, the McNeese Coaches Show, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. For now, we have with us Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going, Kevin? Oh, pretty good. It was, um, you know, trying to get over the end of the football season for the Saints, which did not go well. Obviously, boy, the, the LSU bowl game was ugly, ugly, ugly. The national championship game was ugly, ugly, ugly. Those were very similar games, weren't there? Kind of, they kind of were. Now I think of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess with with the Purdue game, it was I, there were more turnovers in that game, and I I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I just you know blowouts and blowout, you know, kind of like I have a spade is a spade. So um, yeah, I mean, this is not a ton of talk about with the national championship game because one team had the bigger, faster, stronger players and. The other team didn't, and that's sort of what transpired. It's pretty simple, I think. Um, before we get to that, I know we, we talk Red Sox every once in a while. Were you as shocked as I was with this Trevor Story thing? Kind of troubling news yesterday. I don't know if I was shocked just given how how he's had these elbow issues for the last few seasons. Um, I was concerned when he originally signed with the Red Sox. But, I, I mean, to learn that it popped up in big enough of fashion again that it it could cost him his entire 2023 season. I mean, the fact that that was sort of the tone that he could very well, I mean, maybe not likely, but very well miss the entire 2023 season. That was a, that was kind of a big surprise for me. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, this Red Sox front office, this Red Sox ownership was completely, I, I think completely misjudged the market. Um, whether it's the trade market, whether it's the free agency market, um, I think that, I think that's been really the, like the critical mistake this ownership and um, and time bloom has made, and sort of resulted in in putting them in all, in all these tight spots, even though they have their strict valuations, even though I don't think they're necessarily cheap, but they they want to spend smartly, and the problem is is that the market has passed them by. And, when the market passes you by and, and you don't react to that, uh, you're stuck in situations like this. You think there's any way they would sign Yuli? Um, I mean, maybe, but I mean, up the middle right now is just such a need for this team. 
like I, 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 I have trouble telling you who's going to be the starting shortstop and what it's we're at, it's mid January heading into February now. So I, I think that's really the immediate need with this team. I think getting Justin Turner, he kind of becomes the DH for them. And I think Pat Cassis is the first starting first baseman. Um, I, I think if they wanted to keep a, like, if, if they wanted to keep a veteran first baseman, I, I think they would have kept Eric Cosmer on the roster, and they, they didn't, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, they're they're just such a tough spot because they need a they need a middle of the hill hitter order. and need an up the player up the middle of the field um, defensive player, a shortstop, and that's exactly what Xander Bogarts was and. Because again, they misjudged the market on him. Now he's gone, and they don't really have any solutions to replace him. All righty, so let's get to the Tigers. You know, when LSU opened up with that really nice win over Arkansas, they were able to muddy up a game, and they and they didn't all they didn't actually shoot the ball that well, but they just found a way to win. It was a very impressive win at the time, and yet I think we've learned over the the game since then. It's hard to consistently win that way. Is that what we're seeing here? Yeah, um, uh, it, it, I think you cut out for a second. Did what, what did, you, uh, did you talk about? Uh, well, was it well, I, football I, well, or basketball? No, 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 basketball. I, I, the 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 Arkansas win was nice. They were able to muddy up the game, and they beat a what we consider a good, pro, a really good program. And that was a nice win. But it seems like since then. In the game since then, we're we're learning it's hard to consistently win that ga- games against good teams when 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 the best case scenario or your job is just to kind of muddy up the games and not shoot well. It's hard to win that way a lot. I, I think the core problem with this LSU basketball team is that they don't have a lot of offense, and they're a team that sort of needs to play much better offensively because. They're not very big. They're not very long. Um, they have some forwards and forward depth, but most of it's a lot of it's sort of projects and like backup ish players like a Kendall Coleman or or Sean Phillips. Um, KJ Williams, I yes, he's their best player, but he's really more of a finesse forward, someone who can um, pull your big out of the paint and uh, hit three pointers. And he's a skill guy. He's not really he's not really going to protect the rim for you. Um, where I mean, Derek Fountain has to do a lot of the dirty work for this team, and uh, he's still like a slider-framed guy. So I, I really, this team has no one who could really be a rim threat in the pick and roll. They don't really have any great um, uh, rim protectors defensively, even though I think their defense is okay. Uh, the problem is, is that when you don't shoot the ball well and you don't have anyone to uh, really be a rim threat on the pick and roll, you're kind of left with a bunch of nothing, um, unless you have a, a lot of unless you have elite one-on-one scoring, and they definitely don't have elite one-on-one scoring. Matt McMahon said it as much last night. So they need to execute at a high level in the half court as, from just a team perspective. You know, good screening, good, good, good open shooting when they get the open shot, and they're just they they just don't have that. Simply simply put. Um, I mean, when Adam Miller, I think Adam Miller was who what was he last night? Two for eleven or something like that. Like they cannot afford uh, that poor of a shooting from one from someone who is who should be um, one of their best shooters. So this team just doesn't have a lot of offense. And combine all that with um, with sixteen turnovers last night, and 
you run into a lot of issues on offense. You know, they out-rebounded them 40-34, to but you mentioned the 16 turnovers for LSU, only 10 um, for Florida. And, and, you know, they were up by three at the half, but a lot of that, Florida just shot the ball horribly. But even for the game, Florida shot 39%, which is, you know, not awful, but not good, and and and, and only made five three-pointers. And, L- and Florida's okay, but I would consider them, you know, middle of the road at best. Am I missing that in the SEC? And to lose at home by a team that shot under 40% by 11, it just, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it should absolutely be uncomfortable, especially given uh, the slate of games this LSU team has to, has to, has to uh, face up against um, over the next four games. It's, it's Alabama, it's Auburn, it's Tennessee, and then it's Arkansas again. Um, all those are, they are all ranked teams. They're all top, at least top 20, top 25 teams in the nation in, in all likelihood. I, I mean, it's, it, it, they're, they're, it's, they're just in a really tough spot right now. Um, and they have to find answers and find them really quickly. Um, and, I mean, I, could, I suggested in a story that just came out this morning that uh, Tyrell Ward could be an answer for them. He was the, he was the number 34 overall prospect in the nation um, coming out of high school. He's a freshman, hasn't really played much at all until last night. Uh, no Wani Wilkinson, no Cam Hayes for last night's game, so it did open up some minutes for, for, for Ward. He played 16 minutes, he hit two threes. And he just sort of provides a floor spacer for them and maybe someone who can do some stuff with the ball in his hands, even though um, off the dribble, even though we didn't really see much of that last night. So, Again, it's just an option and a sign of hope because uh, I just feel like offensively this team's really, really stuck in the mud, and uh, I and it's, and it's really hard to find like a really like a really easy fix or a really reliable answer to that. Um, and even the Arkansas win, like the offense, it, it just nothing looked. Nothing looked easy for the offense in that game either. They they won because they played well defensively. Um, uh, they got a little lucky the fact that Arkansas was missing two of their better players, um, including Nick Smith Jr. Um, and they pulled out a, like a really good win. And they played pretty well, but uh, yes, this team can play better as we saw in the Arkansas game. But I, I feel like there is a, a bit of a ceiling attached to this team just because how limited they are offensively. We've seen that. I think pretty consistently now for the first four games of SEC play. Even, you know, and then the Kentucky loss didn't seem kind of almost encouraging at the time, but Kentucky hasn't beaten anybody else in the SEC. And, you know, none of us are used to Kentucky being bad, but, it you know, it, that might happen this this conference season. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Kentucky doesn't look great. And, I mean, LSU shot the ball really well from three-point range, especially in that game. And um, it, it – they still ended up losing. It was. I thought that was a pretty well played game on both sides. Um, but given how well LSU shot the ball from three, it almost seems in that game. It almost seems like an outlier compared to the rest of the third games and even non conference play. Because if you think about it, yeah, they won all those games in non conference play, but it was against inferior competition, and it wasn't by as many points as you'd expect to beat a UT Arlington or. Uh, heck, I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a UMBKC. Right, right, uh, correct. Any yes. of these other teams. So it's. I mean, I think that was sort of a warning sign. And then we had some hope with the Arkansas game because they played really well defensively. And you think, 
okay, maybe this is a defensive first team. And but I mean, the last three games have sort of showed that this team isn't good enough at rebounding and probably not quite good enough defensively in the half court to make up for their offensive, uh, pretty obvious offensive struggles. Now, the big picture, the truth of it is, no, there weren't really high expectations for this team in this situation that they're in with a new coach. So it's not, you know, it's too early to bury them. And yet, even if you do bury them, I mean, you can only do it with so much a negativity because, you know, the the expectation, I don't know anybody expected this team to finish, you know, really high. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't another. I don't think. I mean, I'd be surprised if there was another coach in the country that had who had to replace all of his scholarship players because they either entered the transfer portal or the NBA draft um, in the in one off season, right? So uh, they had uh, like a pretty uh, like high hill to climb um, this off season just to put together a, like a competent SEC roster and. I thought they. I, th- I thought, considering the circumstances, they did a pretty good job of that. Um, but I, I, I do. I will say, um, I don't think this means anything for McMahon's tenure. I'm not. I'm definitely not um, saying any of that. I mean, it's first of all, it's one season. It's under those circumstances. It's his first year in the SEC. I mean, a lot of players who aren't familiar with each other, and that's that's especially going to affect the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I, I did expect a little bit more um, from this roster, at least from an offensive perspective, just because, I mean, they have some pretty guys who are, you know, you'd, you'd think are pretty talented guys who um, in, in the right circumstances could be real contributors on a um, March Madness level team. And it just hasn't, just hasn't happened yet. How would you gauge, or might maybe be a tad too early for this to do this accurately? But how would you gauge the SEC overall? Uh, is it top heavy? I, I, how do you kind of see the SEC in men's basketball this so far? Um, I, I'd say there's teams like Mississippi State and Missouri who are who are sort of uh, blurring the picture a little bit between whether it's top heavy or not, right? Like, are those teams for real? Because if those two teams are for real, teams that we didn't expect to be uh, terribly competitive in the ACC this year, I'd say the conference is fairly deep because you got those two teams. Um, you have Kentucky, uh, which I don't know. We totally know what to make of them yet. Uh, it's probably more on the downside, but I don't want to totally, like, like start the funeral, the Viking funeral for them after four games. Um, so, yet the consider those three teams and then the four teams that I mentioned as the top of the conference, right? I think Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, uh, Arkansas, I think those are pretty much the four best teams in the conference. Um, the Missouri, you can maybe throw in there as well. So uh, it's, I, I'd say there's at least six or seven teams that are going to be uh, pretty, pretty firmly vying for uh, tournament spots. Um, we thought LSU could maybe be one of those teams after they beat Arkansas and, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case unless they really pull off something pretty special here over the next four games. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say it's definitely top heavy. It, 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 I, I think you can make a case either way, and I think it sort of depends on your thoughts on Missouri and Mississippi State. Um, um, it's been very impressive what Missouri has done offense, at the very least. And, and Mississippi State has some pretty impressive wins on their resume. So, um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. 
in other words, in two or three weeks, we're going to be t- there's going to be a lot of baseball talk around the around Baton Rouge. Um, that would be my uh, that I would I would tend to believe in uh, that being the case. Yes. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks Thank again for having me on. All right, Cokie Riley of USA Today Network. No, he's. <clears throat> Koki always just kind of says what he what he feels, and I think so. It, it it might be you maybe could argue it's a little bit early to be burying the season, but the problem is to Koki's point when 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 you look at like just your next two games, you're playing Alabama who's thirteen and two, and you're playing Auburn who's thirteen and three. Now, if you win one of those games, then you can change the narrative pretty quickly, but um. If you lose both of those and you're one in five and you're struggling to score points, you know, it's going to be more like this season than probably a lot of people were expecting. And and, and, and then after all the wins early on, you thought, well, maybe they could be a little ahead of the game. But um, it's just not that easy to, to beat good conference competition. And in some of these cases, great conference competition. Man, what is it? Tennessee and Alabama – High up in the SEC kind of reminds me of, you know, when I was a, a young lad. Uh, T.R. Dunn, Reginald King days, and Ernie and Bernie, and all way before Cokie was ever born. But um, I uh, used to really love watching SEC basketball with uh, John Ferguson and Joe Dean on Saturday. And speaking of nostalgia, Cajun basketball fans got a heavy chunk of nostalgia with the fabulous Cajun chicken announcement. And we'll be talking more about that in, in the coming weeks. But that's going to be fun in about three weeks for sure. So you know me. I'm a sucker for nostalgia. So I love all that stuff. All right. We will take a time out. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion, Houston Astros. How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you can have an opportunity to win such great prizes as $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen there, or maybe a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, the one that I could really sink my teeth into if I could win, which I can't, but would be a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. But you can't win any of these great prizes or any others that might come up if you don't join the game clubhouse, so do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, 706-0111. 
I am not a Miami Heat fan at all. But they did something last night that I just love. I mean, if you listen to me, I'm I love math. I hate losing on ninety percent things, eighty percent things, things that should happen. You should not miss field goals under fifty yards, especially indoors, ever. And my, you know, obviously you're gonna you're gonna every once in a while you're gonna get. But I mean, that's got to be a ninety something percent thing. Free throws, not everybody's going to shoot 90%, but, you know, unless you're just a bad shooter, you know, boy, you need to be making at least 75 to 80%. I mean, it needs to be it needs to be really good, uh, really high percentage. Well, last night, the Miami Heat set an all-time record. These cats went 40 for 40 at the free throw line, which is incredible. I mean, that's even... That's even beyond my expectations. And I have really high uh, expectations when it comes to free throw shooting. Um, And the amazing thing about it is they won by one point over a team at home under 500. The, the, The Heat got off, you know, they had a pretty good season last year. Um, and have been one of the more disappointing teams in the NBA this year. They're a little over 500 now, but they played a Thunder team that's, you know, not awful, awful, but they're not good. And um, they they went 40 for 40 at the free throw line and won by one point. You don't think free throw shooting's important? I saw... A, I was looking at uh, high school, and I look. I'm not comparing high school basketball to to the NBA, of course. But just to show you the importance of free throw shooting, I was doing a box score last night, or looking at a box score from a high school game, and a team lost by one point or two points. I can't remember exactly which team it was. I did more than quite a few and so I, I kind of confused but a team lost by like two or three points and they were like one of six at the free throw line well first of all six is not a lot of free throws in the game but if you're gonna get six of them try to make at least four of them like if they had made four of them they win the game they went one of six you know I've seen teams in high school it's just amazing to me how many free throws teams can miss but no again I'm no Miami Heat fan but it did do my heart good to see a team go 40 for 40 at the free throw line because I, I really like making free throws. Of course, you got you to gotta shoot a lot of them. And that's what happened to LSU last night, partially what happened to LSU. Not all of it, but a big chunk of it was Florida went to the free throw line. Florida, they, they made like 75%, maybe three out of every four, something like that. But they shot 30-something free throws. Um, and made 24 of them. And that was a huge, <clears throat> that was a huge uh, part of that win. By the way, speaking of free throws, and I know I, I, I have so many historical references in my mind, and I know some of you don't care about history. I get that. I mean, I think you do so in error, but it's a free country. You don't you don't have to care about history. But 
you know, that was something that when we spoke with Coach Marlin again yesterday that he's and, – and he made a reference to it in, in his weekly Monday press conference as well um, – to the lack of free throw shooting or the lack of free throw attempts, I should say, in those first uh, two road conference games against Old Dominion and Coastal and, and how, again, the free throw shooting is crucial – if you ever want to see a team that lost a game, though, because of free throw attempts, go back and look at the Cajun second round NCAA tournament in 1992. That's the, every time I hear that, it just, it just, it just aggravates me to no end, and I, I don't have it memorized. But it was something like New Mexico State shot like 35 free throws, something like that. The Cajun shot like six. I mean, you want to talk about a, a team that won. Anyway, that's a long time ago, I know, but still kind of aggravates me a little bit. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, how you doing? Oh, I'm trying. Foot, there's no way that, that – that, I, I know ESPN puts out a lot of stuff, but there's no way the Bears are really, really thinking about getting rid of Justin Fields for Bryce Young, are they? Well, I don't think that they are. They said they're not. but uh, and, and I just think you're spinning your wheels if you do that. But do, do you think Bryce Young is better than Justin Fields? I do not. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a definite opinion. I'm not real high on Justin Fields, I got to tell you. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not very high on any quarterback of the Chicago Bears. You know, I think you have to be – over-the-top exceptional to look good as a quarterback playing for the Chicago Bears. But, um, um, you know, they, 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 they haven't had a good quarterback in like 60 years. I don't think that's just coincidence. But, um, yeah, but you have a, you have a quarterback that, that, that did well this year. You need a lot more than a quarterback. You have the number one pick. Why not, why not pick somebody to help your team and, and just go with Justin Fields. Now, you're QW. How he's can a, a quarterback do well and you pick number one overall? Explain that to me. Well, for, you can't tell me Justin Fields didn't do well this year. Well, no. With the rushing yards and everything. I'm not saying he's, he's great, but Justin Fields is, it didn't do bad this year. I, I, I just, I, again, I, I was not that high on him in the draft. He obviously – he actually ran better than I thought he was going to do, but he threw about like I thought, which was not good. Now, he does not have um, receivers, and he doesn't have a passing game, and he's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, so I don't want to be overly critical of his passing ability because it's hard to be a good passer there. It just is. But, um, but no – but where I agree with you, Troy, is you're spinning your wheels. I mean, I just you, – you, like you said – if you're going to draft a quarterback, even if you, even if they would think that Bryce Young is a little better than Fields, it would still be stupid, to your point, and I agree with you, to draft Bryce because you got to start addressing other. What they really need to do is trade down and address as many needs as possible. Yeah, that's what they should do. A, I got a I got a, a, a solution for you. You don't like Andy Dalton. How about, how would you like the quarterback from Georgia? I mean, do you think he's an NFL quarterback? No, I don't want that guy. <laughs> no, they're talking about him. They don't know if he if he if he if he's an NFL quarterback or not. So I mean, 
You can get him. It won't be a top pick for sure, so you can get him late. No, I don't want him. Well, you might end up with dogs. He, so you he, better, you he, better he, think what man, you can get. Man, and, 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 and please tell me no. Oh, uh, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton. But, no, if, uh, to, to your point, the Chicago Bears, with all the teams that need quarterbacks right now, you know, with all the QWs everywhere, you can I, I just refuse to believe that you can't get, especially a team like the Colts. I mean, the Colts might give up the form to get that number one pick from the Bears to get a quarterback. They so quarterback starved, they don't even know what to do with themselves. So exactly, you the, can trade and get they, a good, get a lot, of the, a lot of good. They would be stupid to stay in that number That's one right. spot. They have got to trade, whether it's with the Colts or someone else. But they have got to trade out of that spot. They have to. Exactly. Yes. And and and, and just work with Fields. I mean, he's not he's not terrible. But I and, mean, you don't like him, but I, I think he's I think he's serviceable. Oh, I like him, but I don't love him. I, I don't know that he's ever going to be a really good pass. I, I don't know that he ever is going. I don't like the way he throws the ball. But but yeah. he can run. And again, it's hard to judge his passing because he plays for the Chicago Bears. No one throws the ball well for the Chicago Bears. No one. Well, remember, rem- always, uh, every time you talk about that, I always tell you, you didn't like the way Philip Rivers threw the ball either. And look where he's at. That's a fair point. All right, talk to you. All later. right, thanks. No. I, I didn't. I didn't think Philip Rivers. I, I saw that cat throw. I was like, that cat's gonna be terrible. Turn out good, and, and and that's a fair point. Um, but no, I I I doubt Fields will ever be a really good passer. But you can win without being a really good passer if you play great defense and you and 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 you have an offense that takes advantage of your running ability. But um, no, I agree with Troy. They, there's no way they should make any pick. Forget about quarterback. There's no way to Chicago if the Chicago Bears make a selection with their number one overall pick. That's stupid. I mean, it's just that's just. I'm sorry, that's stupid. I I just that would be a. If I was a Bear fan, I'd be furious if they make that pick. They have got to trade down. I just there's got to be a team. At least one that will be willing to trade up for that for, for a quarterback. Theoretically young. I mean, they've got to be. All right. We'll take a time out. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Just a few minutes left in this first hour. Again, we'll be talking some Cajun women's basketball with Gary Broadhead at the end, but a little more NFL talk at the the top of the hour. A couple interesting scenarios to be discussing in the NFL world. And again, if you want to start talking a little more about the actual matchups, we'll be doing more of that tomorrow and Friday heading into NFL wild card weekend. College football is now over, uh, playing on the field-wise anyway. You know, there's all the -the off-the-field stuff, plenty of off-the-field stuff that you're going to get with college football for a while now. Um, You know, especially with the transfer portal and signing day and all that. Now, you know, the vast majority of signing days over, but there's still some left. And we're still, you know, there'll be trinkle, little sprinkles, I should say. May try to make up a word there. Um, Of of news with baseball between now and 
when p- pitchers and catchers report in about six weeks or shortly thereafter, but not much. So, you know, obviously it'll be a lot of NFL talk during the NFL playoffs, and then, you know, we'll be doing plenty of college baseball and softball talk in these parts between LSU and the Cajuns, you know, so much um, interest in baseball and softball and it's going to be um, it's going to be a very encouraging, you know, lots of lot of reason to believe that there's a there's a lot of good stuff in store on both fronts um, in ba- it, for the diamond sport. So we will be doing that. But for the until then, until that gets hot and heavy, it'll be a lot of NFL talking, um, as there should be with the playoffs beginning this weekend. And we'll start, uh, hopefully, I don't know. I don't know that we'll get news right away on the Saints, but uh, maybe shortly thereafter. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, lots to talk about locally and obviously nationally with the NFL playoff going on. You know, there's there's several situ- quarterback situations, and, and Troy brought one of them at the end of last hour, more looking towards the draft with the Brown, with the Bears, and what are they going to do with the number one overall pick. And I think there are plenty of teams that if they held the number one pick, that – you know, everyone would be speculating already, oh, it's going to be, you know, they're going to pick Alabama quarterback. Yeah, he's going to be the number one pick, no doubt about it, and all of that. And, you know, we'd start that narrative. But now it's about, you know, you figure they're going to trade. I mean, that's what you kind of would expect to happen. They're going to they're gonna make a trade. I don't um, – I just got to believe they – you know, that they're going to do that. Now, the other things going on, though, at, at at the quarterback position is a lot of people were amazed that Lamar Jackson was played this season, you know, without a, you know, contract extension, without really addressing that issue. And, they, you know, it was, it was huge talk in the offseason. And now, you know, they're coming down the stretch. The team season kind of faded at the end. They're still playing at least opportunistic enough defense. But they just, their offense has been dreadful. And and Lamar is hurt, so say. You wonder how much of it is that and how much of it is he's just not wanting. I, 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 it's just a mess. And again, when Lamar was having his MVP season, a lot of people asked, 
would you want him? And my answer was no because not that he's not an incredible talent because he is. It's that you have to change your offense. So I just don't know what the Ravens are going to do. I mean, they're in the playoffs, so it's not like they've had this miserable season. But, like, they're going to have to either give in to him and pay him what he's wanting, which is Deshaun Watson money, or what are you going to do? Like, you've, you've created this unique system to suit his talent. So if you don't go with him, then what do you, what is the next step? Like most teams, if you say no to a quarterback, it might be upset because you're losing his talent and leadership and all that kind of stuff. But at least you kind of have um, – you can move on and get another quarterback without having to redo your whole offense. Like I don't – Lamar Lamar Jackson is such a unique runner. Like, there are other running quarterbacks. Like, Batman can run, but he can't run like Lamar Jackson. He's, you know, it's it's different. Like, Lamar Jackson is a, is a, a cut above other good running quarterbacks ever. Like, maybe, like, you could Michael Vick maybe. But other than the Michael Vicks, um, you know, there, there, there's really, there's just nobody else that can run like him. And so, I don't know what they're going to do. If you're the Ravens, what are you going to do? That that's kind of that's something that we haven't talked about much on this show. But I'm sure sports talk radio shows in the Baltimore area, those fans must be freaking out. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, if you don't pay this guy, I understand you don't want to pay him Deshaun Watson money because that's crazy. The the contract he gave. You may not want to do that. Sounds foolish, but if you don't, what is your alternative? I don't know. That, that, that is a messed up situation. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Yeah, I think the Saints are in prime condition against the Bears' number one pick. I mean, we have the right Sean Payton. He grew up in Illinois. He's an Eastern Illinois Hall of Famer, lifelong Bears fan, played for the Bears. I mean, obviously they would want Sean Payton to come in there and see if he could turn around the team with Justin Fields. And I'm sure they'd be willing to give up that number one pick another conversation for him. Well, if this was like, if, you know, if they were, the problem is they have a, they have a coach who they just hire. Like, if this was like a year ago and they weren't just hiring this guy, I think that conversation would be coming up a lot more. Now, you know, guys get fired after one year. It's happened this year. So, you know, it's not like that's an unprecedented situation. I just don't know if they're going to be all that willing to just fire this guy after one year, even for Sean Payton. But, no, I hadn't even thought about that, to be honest with you. That's A year ago, I think there'd be a lot more discussion about that than there is now. Yeah, I think they need to sit down with Sean and have a hard, hard talk and see if we're actually a viable, I guess, choice for him. And if he's not, then I say we got to start shopping him around and Chicago would be my first choice because I would love to see Bryce Young or Cody Stroud in the blue and black and gold. Well, 
I, I, you know, again, we we don't know how many of these discussions happen behind the scene. I'm sure it's more than what we would think. Um, you know, I guess the Bears and the Saints have talked somewhat over the years. So I would, I just, I, I don't even know if Casper would even. I know he played there. I know he's from there. So there's the home aspect. But he seems like a cat that wants to go to the, you know, Miami, San Diego, Arizona, and live in the sun and 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 play golf. You know, uh, it seems like you know year round. I think that's what he wants to do. But it's an interesting thought. I, I, I to be honest, I hadn't really gone down that road in my mind. One more question for you, and I'll hang up and listen. Do you think Michael Thomas has played his last snap in the NFL, or do you think another team has given a chance? Thanks, Kevin. All right, thanks for the call. Um, no, I think Michael Thomas will play somewhere else. I, man, that's such a source. I, isn't it unbelievable? Isn't it unbelievable how good he was and how seemingly hardworking he was and how it just with because, like, try to think about. Try to think about if they had not left him in that game in mop-up time against the Yucks, if they just did what a coach and staff should do, it's mop-up time, we're running out the clock. Just try to think about what happened on that play. And how much misery and frustration that has caused Saints fans like me since then, especially me. Because they handed the ball off in mop-up time in a game that they had won against the Yucks to Latavius Murray, who still should be on this football team. And because he was just standing around, because the game was over, he gets injured. And so now you have three years of nothing from this potential future Hall of Fame talent wide receiver, and now you don't even have Latavius Murray. I mean, that play in mop-up duty might go down as the worst play in Saints history. Think of, I don't know that I've ever thought about that in that way. But uh, no, I, I think I think Michael Thomas will play somewhere else. Now, will he ever be healthy for a full season? I mean, I I don't think a lot of us think that, but I do think he will play somewhere else. Yes, sir. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning. I heard you talking about the Ravens, so I had to call. So, uh, what do you think about that scenario? Oh, I, I can tell you what's going to happen. I mean, I'd be shocked if it doesn't. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I said after when he got injured, I said he's played his last game. He's not coming back. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some legitimacy to the injury, but it's probably 80-20 related to this contract. Now, what you saw yesterday just threw uh, gasoline, diesel, and everything you could possibly throw on a fire. When you're giving and paying Roquan Smith, you know, the most ever to an inside backer, and half over half of it potentially guaranteed. I mean, they just they stuck a fork in Lamar Jackson. So if y'all want him in your audience, man, let's call and start working out a deal because I'm ready to pack it up and go. 
I don't want him back, you know, because they can't pay him. They got, we got six positions paying top five money to six different people and probably shouldn't be paying some of these guys the money we're paying them now. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, the only thing that could possibly happen next year is you're franchising. You're going to franchise him for, you know, over $45 million a year. But what's going to happen? He's going to miss six or eight games again because he doesn't want to be franchised. Right. So, you know, so you, you can't do that. You know, you, you're paying Huntley less than a million dollars a year right now. Now, granted, he's not as dynamic, you know, but what they did yesterday in bringing back Roquan Smith is way more important than trying to sign Lamar Jackson for Chinese money. He's just not worth it. He's not. He might be the fifth of a top five list, but he's no higher than that. So you can't pay him top money when he's not potentially in the top five because okay. he's not in the big three for sure. Well, but, but like, you don't think Huntley's the problem? Like, you think you can win with that guy next year? If you solidify your defense, you can. He's not playing with the same receivers that Lamar Jackson played with, no. You know, Duvernay's out and Bateman's out. Right. So, you know, he's not playing with the best of the receivers that's on the, you know, that's on the football team. And then Tyler uh, uh, Wallace had been out as well. So, I know he's not. No, he's not Lamar Jackson. But, you know, when you won it with Trent Dilfer, you won it with the worst quarterback in the league the last time you won a Super Bowl. You don't need a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. The Chargers are fixing – I mean, uh, the 49ers are probably going to prove that this year. But you got to be real solid on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And they're working that way, and they solidified that yesterday by bringing Roquan, uh, Roquan Smith back. Because if they bring Lamar Jackson – back there's no way they can keep that defense intact y'all can have marcus williams back because he can't there's no way he can't stay on football (laughs) they just can't pay everybody so i'm for solidifying that defense and taking a average quarterback to possibly above average not having to change my offense bring my my two receivers and let's go play but there's somebody that would be willing to give lamar jackson Deshaun Watson, a Deshaun Watson deal, but I don't think the Saints can do that. The Saints didn't want to give it to Deshaun Watson. That's why they bowed out when right, they but wanted who's it. Who's gonna do that? Who? I mean, think about this. There's to me, there's two teams that are three teams that he would be a perfect fit for. And what I mean by a perfect fit is all that team's missing is a quarterback and can be really successful without free agency and without having to draft much. The Saints are one. Tampa could be another one if they get a running back, okay? And the 49ers are the other one. The 49ers can't afford him. I know that. And I'm not sure Tampa can afford him. The Saints are the only ones that I think could give that ridiculous deal. So Lamar is going to have to understand that deal is just not out there because I don't know who, if you bring him to a team like the Bears, they still got holes to fill. What about the Colts? uh, Who? The, the Colts. The Colts. The Colts. They're closer. They could be uh, of of the ones that are in need. They would be closer because they have a decent football team. They lost a lot of close games. They got a pretty good team that could play around it. I didn't. To be honest with you, I didn't really go through. I didn't think of the Colts, but that wouldn't be a bad spot. I could see them doing they, there. Yeah, it's it's it, There's a possibility uh, that that could happen. 
but it ain't going to be in Baltimore. I just, I, I just don't see that at all. I hope Harbaugh and company understand, and DeCosta understand that he's he's never played a whole season yet. So, you know, you're going to franchise him for that kind of money, and know where he's at, and know what he wants, and he's not getting it. He might not even play. His mama might say, "Sit out, boy. You ain't going to play for the tag." And he might end up doing that. Be stupid to do it. Well, but, but he, I think he's convicted enough to maybe do that. I, 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 and I think they understand that. So I, I don't. That's a messed up situation. Is all I'm it saying. It is. Yeah. It, it, it really is. And if 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 the Saints decide they want him, hey, I'll call. We'll call. I'll call Baltimore and try to work out the deal. <laughs> okay. Because you know, y'all can y'all can have it for that yeah, stupid but, money. <laughs> but they can't so, afford. They, the Saints can't afford to do that. I, I just. I don't know who's nobody can. You know they they ought to take the Browns organization and blow it up to trying to set that precedent of all this guaranteed money. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's ridiculous. No, you know it really is. If I have to give some guaranteed money to somebody, I'm gonna guarantee Roquan Smith a hundred a hundred million dollars because you know what that cat's a player. That cat's a player. He's he's the best player at that position in the league. And if you can pay three or four others nineteen million a year, you sure in the hell can pay him twenty. I can guarantee you that. So that was – it's a lot of money, but it's money well spent. So All righty, sir. No, very fascinating. That's not happening in yes. Baltimore. I just don't see it. Fascinating I conversation. Thank you for the call. So, All right, Kev. Take care, bud. All right. I, I haven't really done a, like a deep dive into the standings to look and see, okay, how, how – you know, there's some teams that are desperate for quarterbacks – but willing to pay that to give a Deshaun Watson deal? I, I don't I don't know. All right, we way overdue. We'll take a timeout. We can take more phone calls on the other side. Man, I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of the stuff Kyle just said. I I, I just I just I just don't know who would be willing to do it. And how much further down would Lamar be willing to go? We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's Sports Station. Station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about London Gras Barathon Monday, February twentieth. It's a four-mile race through Freetown, just south of the south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drink, drinks throughout the course. A party bus will follow, where you can run all four miles of it, or walk it, or some of it, and we'll get on the bus. And then when you get a little bit more energy, get back, or just. Watch it all from the bus and run none of it and follow. The audience will vote on the winner of the costume contest. So bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Graw Barthon. Register now at latrail.org. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. 
Uh, didn't quite wait. I was worried about that. But anyway, if you'd like to uh, discuss the Lamar Jackson situation that we're talking or whatever, certainly feel free to call back on the game hotline. All right, through the break, I kind of just thought about, brainstormed a little bit. Okay, which teams would even be possible if what Kyle is saying is correct? And I, I think it's lo- very possible that he's correct in that the Ravens, it's not going to happen. Lamar's going somewhere else. Tennessee is in desperate need of a of a of a quarterback. Now, are they they play the kind of football that the Ravens play? The way the Ravens play football and the way the Titans play football is not that different and hasn't been for like the last 20 years. So, I could see him in that offense. Now, that's from an X and an O standpoint and a coaching philosophy standpoint. I have no idea whether their front office would be willing to put that much money and give him the kind of guaranteed money that he would want. But you know what? Wouldn't shock me if Tennessee kind of makes sense. The Colts, who I mentioned earlier, I could see that happening. Um, I don't think he would go to the Houston Texans, but the Houston Texans theoretically uh, could really do something crazy and and put a, a lot of money into Lamar. I don't think he would go there, though. Uh, what about Washington? Same region he's already in. They they don't have an answer at quarterback. I don't I don't know that he would go there either. He seems like a very principled guy, and uh, you know they they've got their their own issues. Here's what concerns me: the Atlanta Falcons or the Benedict Arnolds. Neither one of those have any answers at quarterback right now. Both of those are in a very much in a transition period, looking for an identity for the future of their franchise. And I want no part of that. I I want no part of Lamar Jackson going to the Arnolds or the Falcons. And I would put, well, I could see that Falcon thing happening. I, I, oh, I don't want any part of chasing him. I, the Saints don't match up with that kind of quarter. I mean, playing Lamar Jackson is a nightmare. Um. I, I could see Atlanta doing that. I it, pff, That really is not, not something I want to think about, but I could see that. In fact, it might be my guess. If you tell me where is he going to go, if he, my guess might be the Falcons, and that would, it is not a pleasant guess. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, before I make my point, uh, first of all, Trent Dilfer was not the uh, quarterback for the last time the Ravens won the quarter. Uh, that that is that is true. Yes, that is true. Uh, Flacco. Was. I don't know what he's talking about. Also, that's a whole different – to even say something like that, you, can, you can't compare the NFL from 2000 to the NFL now. So, no. Uh, you're right. You stole my thunder. I said this last week on the show. I said this earlier in the week on the show uh, on another station. I feel that – uh, look, look what the Falcons did last year. They tried to go out to Watson. Right. Yep. Uh, supposedly, uh, Watson was down to uh, the Falcons and the Browns, and he, of course, he went with the guaranteed money. So yes, I think Atlanta would be the sleeper team. Also, they have the tight end, 
I know he, he likes to uh, utilize the tight end. Yep. You know, and they have a nice tight end over there in, uh, in Atlanta. Um, Nightmare. Yeah, I can see. Now, Indianapolis, no. His, his, his image, you know, the way he wears his hair and everything, and, I, and I'm sure that's why – well, no, I'm not getting into that. But his image, he wouldn't – I don't see the coach getting him. I just don't see his image just – I think fans – Socially, socially, I get what you're saying. I, I'm just – from a football standpoint, they're desperate for one, and, and they could – and they play – they're more of a defensive-minded – Win with possession. I mean, I think he would fit in football wise, but but socially, you're probably correct. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Um, I see Atlanta. I see Atlanta or Baltimore. I think Baltimore. I, I can't. That the last call. I can't. Huntley. They have. They they came and went with Huntley. Why he's 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 a quarterback now. He said that they're not playing with the same receivers, but we had the same situation last year. I don't think they won a game with Huntley as a quarterback. I could be wrong. I hope he stays in Baltimore. I really hope he stays in Baltimore. Cause I and I and I don't know what the, if the Arnolds would do it, but the Arnolds got this this new owner that's got all this money and they and they're looking for an identity too. I mean, I, I oh man, if he comes in this NFC South, it's fixing to get really ugly. I, I look I, I think he should stay I think he should stay away from uh Washington. We've seen what uh, Rivera did to Cam Newton. I know it's a different type of quarterback, but Rivera basically Got basically Newton hurt, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he'll go there. I, I, more, I Wait, what's up? I don't think he'd go there. I, I'm thinking Tennessee, Atlanta, or Orneville. Not in that order. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, that. that wait, hold up. Who's wait? Tennessee. Oh, Carolina. Okay, yeah. All right, all right, man. Thank you. All right, thanks. Um. Oh. I've had, I'm trying to get past and now I've done I I, I mean again I, I I planned on talking about Lamar Jackson but I wasn't I wasn't planning on going into and how I plan on talking about how complicated that situation is and they're about to play a playoff game without their franchise quarterback and there's a lot of people wondering like how much of that has to do with his contract situation, him not playing as opposed to him actually being hurt, which, again, I always stay away from questioning a guy's injuries, but but there are a lot of people speculating and wondering that right now. And a lot of people are blaming the Ravens for that, for not, like, that should have been taken care of, you know, prior to the season. So it's a complicated issue. I, I get it. I don't. I don't think either side's right or wrong because I don't. I don't blame the Ravens. Like no, no one. To Kyle's point earlier, no one should. The contract that Deshaun Watson got was ridiculous. So it's like okay, because your friends jump off the bridge, you got to jump too, kind of thing. You know that old philosophy. I mean, that's basically what these teams. That's why I mean. The, I was hoping at the beginning of the year that Cleveland Browns would become the team everybody hated. So far, that didn't happen. But anyway, um, or that the NFL hated, but because they really complicated things. And I don't blame Lamar for one money either. I mean, I, I get both sides because without him, they're they're in a pickle. I don't care what happens; just keep that cat out of the NFC South. And I don't think the Saints would give that kind of money, but man, can you imagine? Can you imagine? 
if the Saints got Lamar Jackson and had Batman, like what would he? Uh, 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 oh, I'm just, my head is hurting right now. Uh, I'm just, man, I can, oh, I can already see him in that Falcon uniform. I, that thought never crossed my mind until the break. And I'm, I'm thinking, he's going to go to the Falcon. It, it hit me during the break that if he leaves the Ravens, and Jay was thinking the same thing. I didn't know it until Jay called, but. He's going to go to the Falcons. That's what's going to happen. Oh. I left my Rolades at home. I'm in trouble. This is not good. Now, I'm getting all upset about something that hadn't even happened yet. I get that, but this is not good. This is not good. If you're a Saints fan, we need to make sure that Lamar Jackson does not come to the NFC South. That better not happen. Better not happen. And, and I mean, again, what I think or Jay thinks or you think, that, that, that doesn't really mean it. What doesn't mean anything. I get that. But if you just look at all the where these franchises are. <clears throat> now, another team to consider, and I don't think he would, but it's where, isn't that where he's from? If Tua career ends with all this concussion issue what are they gonna do because like I don't I can't believe who in the world is gonna give Tua a contract extension right now I mean that guy could be going for I mean you can't give that guy any guaranteed money and remember it's if Tua keeps playing I'm gonna get very angry because the Saints went through this stupid ridiculous bounty gate year because they were so worried about getting sued over people getting hurt. And here you got a quarterback getting, you know, his brain messed up before our eyes and they keep talking about playing this cat. I mean, there's no way he should be playing football this year. Shouldn't even be thought about. Maybe not even next year. And I don't know how anybody's going to sign Tua. There's no way. I mean, not to with any kind of guaranteed money. So if, without them, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Dolphins would be an option. Because remember, their head coach comes from Cheetoville, and they they love running the football, and they know how to run the football, and they love quarterbacks. So maybe the Dolphins would be a, more of an option than I originally thought too. He'd probably love to play for the Dolphins. Plus, when the Dolphins wear that old-school uniform, man, it is beautiful. That is a beautiful uniform. He would look great in that. All right. I, I've done got myself all upset, and I didn't even plan on doing Oh, man. Oh, man, 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 man. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears. I need to shift gears because that, that subject, that, that just went down a really bad. Uh, I, I'm upset enough after that stupid loss to the Arnolds, and now I'm looking at, 
of even more frustration in the future. We'll take a timeout. Be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back. Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Let's go to the game hotline. Bring on UL women's basketball coach, Gary Broadhead. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you, Kev? All right. So I've done got myself upset with all kind of NFL issues, so I need to shift gears. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Coach, and we've known each other long enough to be honest. I, I really was worried about you getting swept, and not only did y'all not get swept on that last road trip, you really should have swept. I mean, that was um, impressive. Like, I, I didn't see the games on the road, and so – Obviously, you've been saying from day one that you liked the way y'all were playing defense. That really came up, uh, showed up in, in these two games. But what, what was different about these two games than, than y'all had been playing? You know, I think uh, really the game plan, you know. And then, you know, we, we had been talking about the lineups, how we wanted to uh, – able to take our two point guards and play them separate, you know, like starting. And then, you know, that way we could use D rise to uh, kind of rest her a little bit. In other words, play her two or three minutes and then come with Sherry Porter. And before we were kind of playing, we were starting them together. And then we had all these uh, issues with injuries and all that uh, during the pre-conference. So we never could get back to it. And we finally, I think were healthy enough to kind of do what we needed to do. And, the game plans were great, too, man. I mean, I thought we stuck to the game plans. I, uh, the Southern Miss game just felt so much like a win to me because we, you know, even with, I mean, when they fouled us with 13 seconds, I thought it was over, you know. I thought we were going to make three throws. We are going to make a stop because we had been making stops. So, yeah, I think the lineup situation has helped us a lot. You know, and I think it's, we're more comfortable and we're more productive in that situation. No, I was I was following the play by play on my phone, and when I saw that they fouled, especially a, you know, Lene is is a good shooter. Um, I, I I'm like you. I thought it was over. That was, that was a very disappointing. That that had to be the hardest loss to swallow all season, right? I, I think so. You know, it just you know it was like it, it. Honestly, it didn't feel bad. It just felt like man, we it's like. It was like last year, the Little Rock game, you know, when we didn't take the shot and we tried to make the pass and they made the steal and yeah. then we end up losing by one, you know. It's kind of, it was kind of the same thing. It's like you have it in your hand and then you just kind of drop the ball, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I just was proud of our coaches. I thought our coaches, our assistant coaches, had did a great job on the scouts on, on both Texas um, State and and and, and uh, Southern Miss. So, you know, it's just uh, – it was a good. It was a good trip, you know. I thought yeah, we should have swept, you know. So, you know, it's like, hey, back to the drawing board. You know, we got another week and try to, 
You know, I think the conference is kind of wide open other than James Madison's only undefeated. So hopefully we can kind of stay in the mix of things and finish in that top four. So the other thing, you know, we've talked before that Kyra Wren is, she doesn't even really like to play offense and you got to convince <laughs> her to shoot and all this. And she's had two double, du- I mean, she's had two double figure games, just had her first double double. And, you know, we joke off the air and um, old new Iberia coach who I used to love and, and um, I appreciate him now more than I even should have done back then named Donald Batiste. And, and he used to call in his box scores and, and he would talk about, um, you know, he, he'd read it off and he, he'd say, um, you know, two for four, oh for two at the line, four points, two stickbacks. And people call them putbacks. <laughs> he called them stickbacks. And I, I used to love that. But but Kyra can do that, and she can really help. She can be give you somewhat of an offensive thing. I think more punch than any of us thought, and she's shown signs of that this year. She has, you know, and I think Coach Deacon, you know, he's in charge of offense. He he's been really on her to to call for the ball and be more aggressive with when she catches it inside and all that. And I think that's starting to carry over, you know. Um, yeah, she's. She's always been a great defensive player, and the offensive stuff's always kind of been lagging behind, but she is, you know. And what the thing that's impressing me is, like, she's able to put the ball on the floor more. Like, she does a really good job of up-and-unders and power dribbles and stuff like that. That She has to kind of get around somebody that's bigger than her, you know, and she's getting better and better and better at using the board and all that and being more efficient and stuff, so... You know, I, you know, it is. You know, it's, it's going to be a good thing for us because we need some scoring on the inside, and that's going to kind of been our. You know, everybody says, well, you know, y'all really can't shoot the three that well, but uh, it's a lot of it is is we can't really score as good inside as we had for the last five years with Ty Duset. You know, so has it not not a big light. I'm not talking about her going out there and leading y'all in scoring on a semi regular basis, but as a light going off. To, for her, where she's like, man, I, I can, I could, I could score eight points a game. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's what we talk about. You know, if we can get eight to ten points a game from her, that's going to be big for us. You know, uh, you know, and Mariah Stewart's capable of scoring too. You know, she's just not the defensive player that the Kyren is. You know, whenever we talk about how good our defense is, Kyren holds it down. She's not going to block shots like Ty said, but she's going to take charges. She's going to get in the way. She's going to she's going to kind of bully the whoever it is that comes inside. So she does such a great job for us, and I think that's why we're seeing some success on the defensive side. All right. So South Alabama, you play them tomorrow e- evening in the Cajun Dome, and I'm still not used to this where you play on the at home or on Thursday and then travel on Saturday. I, 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 it didn't hit me till yesterday that that's really what's about to happen this weekend. But when you play Troy on Saturday, is Troy, can they do what they do as good as they normally do it? Or are they in a little bit of a transition year this year? Well, you know, they're, they're, uh, Karanga is preseason player of the year. She has only played four games this year. So and they're not saying what we, no, nobody knows what's wrong. But evidently, she's out, you know. And so I think that's kind of hurting them. I mean, she was averaging probably 15 rebounds a game, you know. And she could score. I mean, she was averaging double doubles last year. So she's not in. And I think that's kind of been the transition period for them. They have players like her. They just haven't don't have the experience she had, you know. So, you know, they 
they're getting scoring from the guards like normal, and they're still shooting. They're still playing the same style, and I mean, it's still working for them. It's just I don't think it's as been as effective. But you know, uh, you still got to you know you got to you got to make sure that you slow it. We slow it down and limit the possessions and all that. Or or they'll get their 80 points a game. You know, but most most of what they're doing now is probably right around 70, 75. I think that's what ended up happening. Southern Miss, Southern Miss beat them 77, 75. So they're still scoring, you know. So uh, yeah, it's the same same type of system and all that. I think the transition is yeah, new players. I mean, they got one of our players, Maymay's uh, second leading scorer for them at 12.8 and stuff like that. So and they got about four kids that are averaging about you know anywhere from 15 to to 10 points a game. You know. So. Defending May May, that's going to be interesting Saturday. Well, it'll be fun, you know, and we know a lot about her. You know, I think the, uh, our main thing is, and our kids talk about it all the time. She, if she struggled for the last, for the first two years with us in practice, we would take too many charges on her because she didn't know how to jump stop and she'd run over us and she'd get frustrated. So, kind of the plan, you know, we hopefully that she. She might be smarter now, though, knowing that we're going to try to do that. You know, we feel we can take some charges against her and, and pressure her a little bit. We know a little bit about her. So hopefully we can slow her and the team down. After what should have been a sweep against two teams that were ahead of you in the standings and have good records and are, are, are considered two of the top four teams probably in the league by most people, was a different atmosphere in practice, a different mentality in practice, or do the girls not worry about all that? You know, I think they just come in. You know, I thought Monday practice was kind of slow, you know, and Monday's always a tough practice. You know, we we started off really good, and then we ended up, you know, we did a lot of five-on-five five full court at the end of practice, and we were just kind of just kind of sloppy, you know. Uh, but then yesterday we show up, you know. We come back, and we, you know, they know. I think they, they have an idea that we could be really good, but we're not consistent at it yet, and that's what we preach, and, you know, can we become consistent uh, when we need to, you know, and, um, you know, this week will be a big week for us, you know, uh, South Al's a lot like us. They don't shoot the ball very well and all that, but they're going to be able to defend and all that. So it's going to be one of those games. You don't want to be the team to get somebody to break out of what, you know, their slumps or whatever they're doing that they need to do, you know? So, uh, I don't know, you know, it's, uh, I think I think we have the right attitudes. I think everybody is on the same page. They continue to work hard, you know, and you know, hopefully we can uh just I, I think it's just about being consistent, you know. I, I hear all the coaches, I mean I hear a lot of coaches saying, uh, man, we're shooting sixty percent one game and then we shoot twenty something percent the next game. You know, so it's just a tough situation. That's why I like the defensive side. It can show up every day. There's no reason why you can't defend, you know, and then the rebounding is another question, but you know we've been we've been doing pretty good on the, on the rebounding side. Well, I thought it was an extremely encouraging weekend. Congratulations, and uh, look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow night at the Cajun Dome, six o'clock against South Alabama. All right, Kev. Appreciate right. it, man. Th- Go Cajun. Take care. Thanks, Coach Gary Broadhead. No, I, I really. If you'd asked me for a prediction, I probably said they're going to get swept, and they should have swept. I mean, they lost by one point, and to Gary's point, they were at the free throw line with. 13 seconds to go in the game and up one in a low-scoring game. I mean, the final score was 44-43. Not, not, not a lot of offense was taking place. So if they had made both of them and going up three, I mean, you really, really like your chances of winning. But even if you make one, you still like your chances of winning. Ended up losing by one. Very, very upsetting. But then they went to Texas State and won by 20.
against a team that, you know, had a really good record and was coming off um, some really good performances. So very encouraging there for the Cajun women. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show, which I came in with a pretty good attitude, and now I'm leaving all worried about the future even more. Oh, man, this is a – man, we need to – we need the Baltimore Ravens to sign Lamar Jackson quick. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you got an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, add radio to it. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home, office, wherever you go. All right. While I've got myself all in a frenzy or tizzy or whatever cliche you want to use there, thinking about trying to foresee the quarterback situation, there are some people that believe that the Saints will be in the running for the to acquire Derek Carr in the offseason. And I'm looking at all these teams that we just discussed for Lamar Jackson. And if if he doesn't end up re-signing with the Ravens, which I certainly hope he does, I really think it's going to be the Falcons, which is upsetting. And if I was going to guess, where would Derek Carr go? It would not surprise me if the Colts made a serious run at Derek Carr. I think he would fit in perfectly there. And Tennessee's another one that if, you know, he could fit in perfectly with. And I think he would fit in perfectly with the Saints as well. But I would be really worried with him. I would be really worried about Derek Carr going to the Titans or the Colts. Now, um, I'm not, like, absolutely sold on him, but I'm better than Andy Dalton, that's for sure. All right. Y'all try to have a good day. I'm going to struggle too. 